This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to New Books and Christian Studies. I'm your host, Ryan Shelton, and today it's my great pleasure to be joined by Dr. Mary Ann Hinsdale and Dr. Stephen Oakey. They are the editors of the T&T Clark Handbook of Theological Anthropology. Welcome to you both. I'm so glad you're able to join us. Um, Mary Ann, let's, let's start with you. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm uh, teaching at Boston College, uh, both uh, postgraduate uh, doctoral students and undergraduates. Uh, I've been doing that at Boston College for 22 years. And before that, I taught at the Jesuit-sponsored uh, liberal arts college, the College of the Holy Cross. So I've been in this a while. That's wonderful. Uh, Steve, how about you? I wonder if you could share a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm an associate professor of theology at St. Leo University, which is just outside of Tampa, Florida. And I'm in my 10th year here. Uh, I mostly teach undergraduates as well as uh, we have a, a, a master's program where we work with primarily men becoming permanent deacons in the Catholic Church. So I do that quite a bit as well. I'm happy to be here. Well, that's wonderful. We're we're so excited to get into the, the TNT Clark Handbook of Theological Anthropology. But first, I wonder, Marianne, um, what what is theological anthropology? What what topics uh, fall under this uh, this subject? Well, that's a great question, and. Uh... Basically, I would like uh, to settle something. There's, it's not to be confused with the social science of anthropology. It's a relatively new uh, sub-discipline in theology uh, that basically takes a look at, in a systematic and also a constructive way, at uh, some key doctrines uh, of Christianity. And those would be doctrines of creation, sin, grace, and most especially, what is the human person, uh, especially since Christianity considers the human person being created in the image and likeness of God, or the imago dei. What does that mean? That's kind of a central uh, idea. And then also, what does it mean to talk about what it means to be human, uh, both in a certain sense, sinful and graced, in uh, our postmodern culture? Uh, and, and maybe to even go back into history and, and trace the development of the different ways that theologians have construed these fundamental doctrines of Christianity. Excellent. Well, thank you for that introduction. Steve, I wonder with with so many different topics that can fall under this this concept as as Marianne has alluded to, 
how did you go about trying to organize uh, all of these into a, into some kind of structure? Sure. It's a challenge, as you can imagine. And it's a challenge often with handbook type books to figure out what to include, what gets left out, and how to keep it manageable. And so as Mary and Anne and I were talking about the project and what we'd like to do with it, you know, we certainly agreed that we needed a section that looked at those various doctrines that she just talked about, like creation, sin, and so forth. But we also recognize that because there's a different sort of historical dimensions to the question and the way that the question of the person has been thought about, we wanted to include a section on method that paid attention to the way the approach to the question of the human has changed. And then we also wanted to look at, you know, plenty of the sort of major figures in theology, either on the question of the human or, you know, major figures who have dealt with it in their own way. And so we, we sort of built that as the, the third section, looking at main figures and where, where their understanding of the human was. And then finally, thinking about the contemporary world and the kinds of challenges and questions that are raised about the human now, we wanted to close with more forward-looking uh, questions about how do we conceive the human uh, before God now at now. Marianne, I wonder if you could speak a little bit to the audience that you had in mind. Um, who who would benefit from this this handbook, and what kind of of spectrum um, of of theological viewpoints are, are represented in this volume? Well, I think um, by and large we were thinking that a main audience would be students, and particularly tertiary uh, at the tertiary level, students who might be uh, getting a master's or a doctoral degree. But even undergraduates, uh, so we we strove for sort of a clarity in writing and uh, and things like that, so that it could reach a general audience as well. Particularly, I think the contemporary concerns, um, you know, some some might be attracted to go there first and then realize, well, I have to kind of back up a little bit and maybe take a look at the uh, you know the uh, the overall uh, historical approaches and so forth to the uh, the big question of what does it mean to be human, particularly. Uh, in an age when uh, of climate change and uh, gender issues and uh, trying to all get along in terms of the various uh, racial class orientations uh, that we have among humanity. So I, I think uh, the curious adult learner would be a really great general audience for this uh, book, as well as those who are um, in studies, basically, at, uh, at the postgraduate and uh, even the undergraduate level. Well, that's excellent. Now, Steve, you've given us this overview of the way that you've structured the the handbook. I wonder if we can just start with this first section, the the methodology. What what's a sample of what the reader might find in the the first part of this handbook under methodology? Sure. I think as a way to maybe track the three chapters in the methodology section together, there's a the the second chapter does a really like by, by Kevin Vanderskell does a really fantastic job of looking at how in the modern period, so you know, 16th century onward, there's a real shift in the way that, uh, especially Western thought, uh, engages with reality and with the cosmos and with the human, uh, and talks about this, what's called the anthropological turn, so the turn to the person. And it helps to frame the, the way in which the human prior to this turn is often primarily thought of as, you know, sort of within the larger web of reality, you know, as part of the cosmos. Um, but with this modern shift, 
the person themselves often becomes the sort of focus and the, the frame through which the rest of the universe is looked at. And it causes this tremendous shift in questions of theological anthropology and questions of you know, freedom and creation and, and so forth. And then this leads into, uh, as, as many might know, the sort of shift from the modern to the postmodern period often comes with this sort of breakdown or challenge around rationality and what it means to be reasonable, but also, you know, what sort of evidence you have and how does your perspective shape the kinds of way arguments that you make? Can you have any kind of, you know, stable or objective grounding? And by looking at the, the various ways in which, you know, theological and even philosophical method shape the question of the human, uh, this first section helps us to think through uh, even that, that sort of earlier question Marianne was talking about, about, what do we mean by the human as we're trying to think about the human in relation to God? So I just want to add into that. Uh, we chose uh, very deliberately three excellent scholars to uh, appear in that methodology uh, section. Uh, Veli Mati Karkanin, who uh, is from the, the Scandinavian part of the world, and as uh, Steve already said, Kevin Vanderskill, uh, doing the modern kind of approach. And then uh, Tony uh, or Anthony Godziva. Uh, for the postmodern. And so that was a very deliberate thing. And I just want to say, uh, also, I met, didn't mention this at the beginning, but uh, we were, or I was approached by Anna Turton, who is an editor at uh, Bloomsbury, uh, to edit the book. And I immediately thought, I've done some editing before that uh, I can't do this by myself. So what did I do? I went to my former graduate student, whose uh, thesis I directed, uh, Steve Oakey, who wrote a, a thesis on uh, the anthropology of David Tracy, who unfortunately doesn't appear in our book. Um, but anyway, uh, so I just wanted to mention that's how Steve and I, uh, we, we've known each other uh, before this book and how we got connected on it. And uh, and so we, we've agreed basically about who the authors, uh, you know, might be. And uh, and then, of course, we approached individuals and uh, we're very happy to those who responded affirmatively to our request. And to build on that, I think one of the sort of highlights or, or unique things about the volume we put together actually is the method section. Um, I don't think this is something that you see as commonly in texts outside of theological method texts. Um, and I think it helps to present a really strong sort of opening frame for thinking through the subsequent chapters. That's really helpful. I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, Marianne has already alluded to uh, some of the key themes in theological anthropology. The second section really covers a lot of these themes. What what, what are some of the themes that that we can find in the chapters here? And and how do they help us understand the contours of theological anthropology? Yeah, sure. So you have in this section, there's seven chapters. Uh, and so they they do look at themes, like Mary was saying, about creation, about the image of God, about the idea of the human person as uh, relational. Uh, so always in relationship with other persons, with God, with uh, the rest of creation. Um, but also the, the finitude, the limited character of the human person. Um, so people only live for, you know, a limited amount of time, a limited amount of space. Um, there are limits to human reason and knowledge. Um, and then it turns also to the questions uh, of sin and grace and nature, um, which uh, sort of variously intersect with one another uh, in different Christian theologies. Uh, and then it closes by looking at the idea of human freedom uh, and how, I mean, frankly, that that is embedded in all of these other doctrines in terms of grace and sin and nature and finitude and so forth. Um, so when we look in this section at these, you know, various doctrines about regarding the human person, we get a, I think, comprehensive sense of the, the main themes and concerns within the Christian tradition over the past 2000 years, 
uh, as they help us to understand what it means to be a human person before God. Thank you for that. Um, I want to move now to this third section, which is kind of, I mean, it is, it is the longest section of this handbook. It covers the, the key persons or, or people who have contributed various, uh, variously to this topic. Who, who are some of these key figures and, and how do they help us understand the way theological anthropology has, has shifted and changed? I think we started uh, by looking at what we might call classical figures in theological anthropology, particularly uh, uh, some representatives from the patristic period, from the medieval period, uh, from the Reformation uh, period, uh, and then some um, kind of modern and even postmodern uh, persons uh, who have uh, grappled more with uh, situations with, that are, you know, understanding uh, evolutionary uh, ideas uh, from philosophy and, and theology. So, for example, uh, we had uh, Irenaeus, who is a key person in the patristic period, Gregory of Nyssa, uh, Augustine, at, uh, and then moving on to Thomas Aquinas, uh, and then uh, Luther, and Calvin, and then in the modern, moving into people like Karl Barth, uh, Karl Rahner, and uh, Hans uh, Urs von Balthasar, Bernard Lonergan, uh, John Paul II, Pope John Paul II, uh, and then Rosemary Radford Ruther, uh, who recently passed, and then M. Sean Copeland and uh, Orlando Espin. So we tried to uh, present a kind of a trajectory, basically, of key thinkers, uh, and uh, and that's why the, this uh, this section is called Key Figures. I think one of the things I would note um, with the I mean, all the names that Marianne said is, if you look at this section, it is the longest section. It's 15 chapters total. Um, but one of the strengths and one of the, I think, new things that we do well in this book is uh, about half of those chapters are 20th century, 21st century figures. And so there's a lot of the, as you said, like the classic figures, the people that you would expect in terms of an Augustine Aquinas, a Luther, but there's also uh, more recent figures who, you know, there's some work on, especially that, you know, the doctoral students and professors and everyone we, we might be familiar with, but it is able to introduce them to new readers and also engage with uh, more contemporary work, uh, much of which builds on those prior classical figures. That turn towards the more recent theological reflection on what it means to be human really leads us well into this fourth section, which are the contemporary constructive concerns, which is the, the final section of this handbook. And it helps to orient the reader to some of the implications of this doctrine on, on what it means to think theologically about being a human. Uh, how does this field speak into some of the, the pressing current issues that um, our listeners might be thinking about? Yeah, I think that in our contemporary context, you know, we see several different big picture ways in which the question of the human uh, emerges and is challenged. And so we have questions around um, like what we might call sort of identity type issues. Uh, and so there's quite like those chapters that deal with issues of race and with gender, um, with disability. Um, there are questions around uh, maybe sort of like the, the more sociological dimensions of contemporary human experience. Um, so there's a really interesting and, and uh, provocative chapter by Vince Miller on neoliberalism. Um, and we see also some chapters that deal with particularly sort of more scientific or, or technological questions. Um, and so there's a chapter on neuroscience. Uh, I have a chapter on artificial intelligence. And 
in each of these sort of various aspects, we're trying to push into thinking about places where people today encounter their own questions about being human, what it means to be human, how does the world in which we live now uh, reshape or challenge our ideas of what it means to be human. And we've tried to give some, uh, some uh, uh, we've tried to give some, you know, serious thought to what those mean for people. And I, I also want to add that at the end of every chapter, of course, we uh, list some further reading that could be done. Uh, so if this is the first exposure to something, for example, like uh, artificial intelligence, which is what Steve's chapter is dealing with in terms of uh, how that affects uh, you know what we what we say today about the uh, image and likeness of God <laughs> that human beings are are uh, are created in, and um, uh, so that's just another kind of added feature. And I don't think I mentioned at the very beginning, but one of the things we strove to in selecting the authors or inviting the authors to be in the volume was we wanted to have both veteran veterans in theological anthropology and also uh, newer younger scholars uh, also who kind of um, would be a, a great way for people to be introduced uh, to their work. You've mentioned that one of the that intended audiences for this book are are students and especially in that research or or, or tertiary level. I think anytime we cover a, a, a handbook like this, I, I imagine that there might be listeners who are in that stage where they're thinking about um, how what they can contribute to the field, uh, what what master's theses or, or doctoral theses or dissertations might uh, need to be written. So, so I'm curious if if you two were to team up on a a sequel to this in in five or ten years, what are what are the chapters that you think need to be written? that that you can include in in the next version of of a project like this well one thing that comes to my mind is we we try to uh present a kind of ecumenical approach basically to the topic of theological anthropology and i think one place that we had a kind of missed and wasn't that we didn't try but we couldn't really uh, uh find any uh, people who were willing to uh is uh, the uh, uh orthodoxy all right eastern orthodoxy greek orthodoxy is not that well represented in our handbook, but in fact, in the course that I've been teaching for over now 20 years in my doctoral seminar in theological anthropology, I always usually include uh, someone like John Jesulas or uh, an Orthodox uh, a scholar in in the kind of main three. I usually move three figures in that in that course. Uh, but I also think that uh, from my experience today, I think there's a lot of interest in what we would call post-colonial or decolonial approaches to any theological subject. Uh, to see just as we have recognized, uh, you know, who's missing uh, in theology in terms of issues around gender, race, and class. I think the whole area of um, indigenous people's knowledge, for example, um, would would add something uh, to this, which would be a further, um, almost kind of more comparative religions kind of uh, approach, uh, maybe to theological anthropology. Yeah, I, I would add... We we did we had a few chapters that ended up not making it just due to time and, and everything else. So there there are some lacuna, there's some there's some absences that I I would love to fill in the second volume, um, in that regard. I think, you know, when I think about you know what are other chapters I would want to see or would be interested in, um, I know when I started my own chapter, my initial sort of you know focus was on anthropology and technology. And I, I narrowed that to artificial intelligence, but I know there's been a lot of interesting work and there's more to be done in question of things like transhumanism. Um, I think that there's good questions in terms of um, even even not at that level, but just sort of the the human in a sort of 
more thoroughly technologically mediated world, you know, always having, you know, devices attached to us in some sense. I think that that would be interesting. Um, I think that there's um, probably more questions uh, about um, the human person in uh, economic contexts. I think the neoliberalism chapter does this, but I think um, looking at that sort of the, the way in which um, you know, economy and finance are increasingly a part of are so centrally a part of human lives, um, and the way that that shapes how we think about uh, faith and religion and so forth. I think that that's interesting. Um, I think as someone who you know teaches at a university that is you know very involved in online education and that sort of thing, um, I hear a lot about terms like gamification, um, and I'm sort of curious what the sort of underlying you know theological anthropology of that is. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of interesting things in terms of uh those sorts of questions um i could imagine also i mean hopefully in, in 10 years it's not as much a question but i do think people i do think things like being going through a pandemic and the effect that that has on persons and communities um is something that uh would be interesting to think about in terms of, of the sort of anthropological questions that go with that um you know i think i think that there are interesting resonances with ideas like finitude uh in that context um but I'm, I'm sure someone's going to write a great essay on soon. So, And I'm hoping so that some of my current students actually might be the subject of a chapter. I mean, we have sort of the classical figures in uh, Roman Catholic theology, for example, like Lonergan and uh, Edward Skillebeeks and Karl Rahner. Uh, and uh, this this makes me think of it, the chapter on Karl Rahner, actually, which is by Susan Abraham, who's at the Pacific School of Religion, as this intriguing title uh, of uh, Karl Rahner for 21st century cyborgs. Um, so and I, I think that'll, you know, that usually gets, what is that all about? <laughs> Carl Rahner and cyborgs, come on. And uh, so uh, I, I have a student right now, for example, who's an Afro-Canadian uh, woman who's writing on um, basically uh, that the issue of uh, race and gender uh, within a Canadian context and uh, from her own um, uh, Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean uh, context. So hoping maybe there'll be a chapter about her. <laughs> Well, I, I can only thank you both for for your generosity with your time and coming to to speak with us about the the TNT Clark Handbook of Theological Anthropology. But I wonder before before I let you go, what's uh, what's next for the for the two of you? What are you working on um, individually, or do you have plans to to continue to collaborate on other things together? Well, you know, I'm uh, I'm getting near retirement, so when we talk about ten years from now, I'm thinking, hmm, hope I'm still uh, walking the earth. Uh, and I hope there is an earth that we can walk on. But um, for me, I, I've been very interested in ecological uh, issues in, in theology. And also, as I mentioned earlier, my students have taught me a lot uh, about uh, decolonial uh, perspectives. And uh, so I'm working right now uh, on something that it has to do with my own family's history, who were uh, came to the United States from England in uh, 1637 and, of course, appropriated indigenous people's land. Uh, actually, who died in the first uprising of the native people here called King Philip's War. And, um, you know, so this this is a disturbing uh, kind of thing. And uh, another uh, author has written a book called Healing Haunted Histories. And I think uh, that's a that's a big question ever since what has been known as the doctrine of discovery, uh, which is something that the Catholic uh, Church issued that sort of said, well, everything that's out there is free reign for whoever um, wants to get it. And yet to find out that there were already people there uh, has, has provoked some challenges that I think need to be addressed in theology. So I'm I'm still kind of muddling through these quite, sort of questions, but I'm hoping that I will have something basically to show for 
uh, the research that I'm doing right now. For me, I am working on a project on public theology in particular, and it looks at the questions both of what it means for public for theology to be a, a, a publicly facing discipline, uh, and also what it means to think about sort of publicness as a theological uh, reality. Uh, but doing so in light of, you know, the digital world and contemporary technological context. And so, you know, what role do things like social media or misinformation or, you know, big data and machine learning uh, mean for, um, yeah, mean for public theology? So. Well, those sound like very um, fascinating projects. I can't wait to see um, what comes of the work that you're doing towards those. That This has been a conversation with Marianne Hinsdale and Stephen Oakey on the TNT Clark Handbook of Theological Anthropology. Thank you both for taking the time to come and talk with us. My pleasure, Ryan. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of New Books in Christian Studies. But that's it for now. I hope you have a great day.